Take your Bible and turn to John chapter 17. It's so great to see all these teenagers here today. and So great to see all the, the volunteers who made this a possibility. Today we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer part two. If you could have anyone to pray for you, who would you select? I know that right now some names are popping in your mind. It, it may be your mom. It may be your dad. It may be a trusted friend or a pastor. Hey, what have I told you this morning? That the most important person to ever pray for you or will ever pray for you in the future is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Did you know that Jesus prays for us as believers? The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. Now listen, who also intercedes for us. I want to say to every teenager in this room, if you're a born-again believer, if you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus cares so much about you that he's praying for you. He's praying for you. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 24 and 25, but Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives, now listen, since he always lives to make intercession for us. Is this not amazing? Jesus, the risen Savior and Lord, exalted in heaven, is there at the right hand of the Father interceding for us as believers. Now, in John chapter 17, uh, th this is one of the crown jewels of God's Word. The hour had come for Jesus to glorify the Father and for the Father to glorify Jesus through the cross and the resurrection. By 3 p.m. the very next day when Jesus prayed this prayer, by 3 p.m. the next day, Jesus would have died on the cross he would have offered his blood as a sacrifice for our sin to redeem us from our sins. And three days after that, he would be raised from the dead. For three years, for three years, Jesus had been preparing his disciples for his departure. Within the last few hours of his life, he had shifted that preparation for them into hyperdrive. Now they were gathered around him, and they hear him pray this prayer. They hear him pray this prayer. He's praying it audibly. First, they hear him pray for himself in verses 1 through 5. Then he prays for them personally in verses 6 through 19. And, and those, that's the text we're going to dig into today, where Jesus prays for his disciples. And then finally... In this great chapter, he prays for those who will become believers in the future. That includes us. Did you know that Jesus, 2,000 years ago, prayed for every one of us who would become believers through his grace and his mercy? 
Put yourself in the sandals of Peter, James, and John, those other eight disciples who were there with Jesus just before he was crucified. They were scared. I'm going to be honest with you, they were scared. They were unsure of themselves. They were mystified by all that was taking place. It was almost too much for them to take in. Jesus had explained it to them. He had told them that he was going to die. He had told them that he was going to be raised from the dead. But it was just so hard for them to comprehend the spiritual ramifications of what Jesus had been saying to them. In the stillness of the night, they heard Jesus pray, and they heard Jesus pray for them. How special is that? I want us to take a close look at verses 6 through 19 this morning, and I want you to see, number one, who Jesus prayed for. Who did he pray for? Well, look at verses 6 through 8. Jesus said, to his heavenly Father in prayer, he said, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you, for the words which you gave me I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. How could these disciples, or even the disciples gathered in this room, the disciples watching by live stream, how could they truly know God? Hey, teenagers, let me ask you a question. How can you truly know God? The Bible says his thoughts are way bigger than our thoughts. His ways are far greater than our ways. So the question is, how can teenagers, how can adults, how can children, how can we ever know God? There's only one way. The only way we'll ever know God is Jesus revealing God to us. That's what he said right here. He said, I've manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. In John chapter 1, verse 18, John had recorded these words about Jesus. He said, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, that's Jesus, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Hey, teenager, do you know why God the Father sent Jesus to this planet? Do you know why God the Father wrapped his son in human flesh? It's to explain God to you so that you could understand who God is and what God can do for you that no one else in this world can ever do for you. In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said to Philip, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? Listen, listen what Jesus said. He said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? Jesus took the sacred name of God in the Old Testament, I am Yahweh, and he used it to help his followers to understand God's attributes and God's nature. 
in the Gospel of John, seven different times, Jesus said, I am something. And here's what he said. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And and listen, Jesus did that so that these disciples could understand who God is, so they could know God, the true God. Now, these 11 disciples that Jesus was praying about here had belonged to God by creation and by covenant because they were Jews. But now they belong to the Son. The Father took these disciples and he gave them to Jesus as a gift. By the way, if you're a born-again believer in this room, I want you to know that you are a gift from God the Father to God the Son. And that is an amazing thought in and of itself, is it not? Jesus loved these men. He loved Peter, James, and John, these other eight guys, because, listen, they believed in him. They kept his word. They knew that he was God's son. They knew that he was not a fraud. They knew that he was real, that he was true. They knew that his words and works was initiated by God the Father. And by the way, I want to say this. Not only did Jesus love those eight guys, he loves every believer in this room. He loves you. In fact, listen, in John chapter 17, verses 19 and 10, Nine, excuse me, 9 and 10, he said, I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I want you to notice in this prayer that Jesus only prayed for his disciples. He didn't pray for the people of the world who had rejected him and rejected his kingdom. He prayed only for his disciples. You say, well, that's not fair, Pastor. Well, let me tell you, you go through the Bible and there's always a distinction made between those who follow God and those who do not follow God, those who believe in Jesus and those who do not believe in Jesus. Listen, I want you to consider what Jesus meant by that word world. If you look in chapter 17 and just count the number of times that Jesus used the word world. He used it over and over again, but what did he mean by that term? Well, I want you to understand that Jesus, when he referred to the word world, he was referring to all that is hostile and rebellious toward God and his kingdom. The world as we know it today is being controlled and manipulated by Satan and his demonic empire. Did you know that the Bible calls Satan the ruler of this world? And Paul called him the little G God of this world. And these disciples were saved out of this evil world system that is opposed to God at every turn. In Colossians 1.13, the Bible says... For he rescued us, who did? Jesus. For Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness 
and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Do you know that if you're a born again, born again believer today, God the Father reached into the bowels of this evil world system that you were a part of, and he saved you, and he delivered you into the kingdom of his dear beloved son. You say, how in the world can I be a part of that kingdom? Only Jesus can do that for you. A preacher can't do that for you. Your mom and dad can't do that for you. Your best friend can't do that for you. Nobody can get you into the kingdom of our dear Lord and Savior Jesus Christ except Jesus himself. He has the power to deliver you from the domain of darkness and to put you in his eternal kingdom. So we see who Jesus prayed for. He prayed for those disciples. I want to as I studied this text this week, I had a fascinating thought, and it just struck me. And here's that thought. Jesus wants every believer to be a winner. If you're a believer in this room, whether you're a teenager, a child, whether you're an adult, senior adult, young adult, middle-aged adult, I tell you on the authority of God's inspired infallible, inerrant word of God that he wants you to be a winner. He wants you to be a winner in this life, and he wants you to be a winner in the next life, and because of that, he prays for you. He prayed not only for those disciples, the apostles, but he also prays for you, and we're going to get more into that next week. Now, if you're a part of his kingdom, I'm telling you, you are a winner. But I'm telling you this, listen to me very carefully, teenagers and adults and children alike. If you're not a part of his kingdom, if you've not been delivered out of this evil world system of darkness and placed into his kingdom, then you are a loser. You say, Pastor, that, that's pretty bold. I'm telling you, friend. If you're in this world system and locked into this world system and dedicated to this world system, you will not only be a loser in this life, but you will be a loser in your next life in eternity. Jesus wants every believer to be a winner. Now, the second thing I, I see in this text is not only who Jesus prayed for, but I see what Jesus prayed for. All right, we know he's praying for the disciples. And by application, we know that if he prayed that for Peter, James, and John and those other eight guys, he's also praying that for every person in this room. And boy, this is some good stuff. So what's he praying for? John 17, 11, Jesus said, I'm no longer in the world. And yet they themselves are in the world. He said, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. If you mark in your Bible, if you, if you want to make something jump out of your Bible, you ought to mark that, that little phrase, keep them in your name. Jesus was praying for those disciples. He's praying for the disciples in this room, those gathered by live stream, keep them in your name. Well, what does that mean? Well, he's referring to their protection. He's praying for their protection. Jesus asked the Father to guard the disciples 
according to his holy character and his attributes. He knew that he would conquer Satan and his demonic empire. He knew that his disciples would remain in the world. And because of that, the world's hostility that had been directed against Jesus and his word and his value system would suddenly be shifted to those disciples. And they would be rejected. They would be rejected in their synagogues. They would be rejected in their families. They would be rejected by their friends. The hostility of the world system would zero in on the followers of Jesus. And he knew that. So he prayed for their protection. A.C. Gablian explained, he said, that keeping means everything. Keeping from falling away, from evil doctrines, from being overcome by sorrow or in tribulation and suffering, keeping them in life and in death. From this first petition of our Lord's Prayer, we learn the absolute security of the true believer. The Father's spiritual protection would result in, in two amazing things. The first being unity. He said that they may be one even as we are. Look at verse 11 again. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you've given me, that they may be one even as we are. Jesus said, look. As a part of the Father's layer of protection for us as believers, he produces a supernatural unity among believers. In John 13, 35, Jesus had said, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You see, that's a hallmark of what it means to be a part of his kingdom. During his earthly ministry, the Lord Jesus had protected these disciples from all threats that came from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Look in verse 12 again. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Well, who is this son of perdition? Judas. Judas was a disciple. But Judas was not a believer. Do you know, young people, that you can say that you're a Christian? You can say that you're a follower of Jesus and not be one. And Judas is the perfect example of that. And the Bible says that Judas was the son of perdition. The Bible says that Judas was sent into a devil's hell when he died. By the way, he took his own life. He took his own life. And today, he is in torment in hell's flames. I say that because it's true. But I'll tell you what, none of the other disciples, the rest of the 11, they're going to be in heaven one day because Jesus asked God to protect them. And Jesus said, while I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished. 
but the son of perdition. Jesus used the word keeping to refer to protection by means of restraint. And he used the word guarded to refer to protection from outside dangers. And, and you put those two words together, young people, and, and, and the rest of us alike. You put those two words together and you get an idea, a picture of complete security that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful thing. Look at verse 13. But now I come to you. Jesus knew that he was about to die. He knew that in a matter of hours, he would be arrested. He would be mocked and scoffed at. He would be beaten and he would be crucified and he would be buried. And then he also knew that three days after that, he would be raised from the dead. He said, now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. So see, one of the things that flows out of this layer of the Father's protection is unity. The second thing that flows out of it is joy. Joy. Jesus had earlier spoken to them about this joy. He said in John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. After the resurrection of Jesus, the disciples would experience fullness of joy because they knew that Jesus was alive. We sung about that this morning, right? You say, but this is not Easter Sunday, Pastor. Why are we singing about the resurrection of Jesus? Listen, my friend, that is something to celebrate 365 days of every year, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Our King is alive. He has all power and authority over everyone and everything, including the powers of darkness. And these guys, these these 11 disciples knew that Jesus had prayed that the Father would protect them. Look at verse 14. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. The disciples had received and believed Jesus and his word. Because of that, the world had hated them. By the way, Jesus told his disciples in, in John 14 through 16, he told them several different times, the world's going to hate you. This world system organized and systematized by Satan and his demonic empire is going to hate anyone who believes in Jesus and anyone who believes the word of God and seeks to live in obedience to that word. The life of a believer cannot mix well with the world itself. In fact, John said in 1 John 2, 15 and 17, he said, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 17, the world is passing away and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. James 4, 4, James said, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Listen, young people, I want to say this to you. The world has some very bankrupt, cancerous ideologies that they present to you over and over again in a variety of ways. 
One of those ideologies is evolution. And the world says, this is the way things came into being, evolution, not creation. The world also has an ideology called wokeism. And this ideology says, look, we've been doing it wrong all these years. We've got to get woke. And then there's the ideology of secularism. And there's an ideology of socialism and feminism and universalism and atheism. And there's so many of these isms, so many of these ideologies that the world pushes on young people and older people alike. And we've got to learn to tell what's true and what's false. I'm so glad that we've had a D now that focuses on the Word of God, that focuses on worldview and focuses on the things that really matter in this life. Can I tell you, teenagers, it does not matter one whit how many followers you have on TikTok. It does not matter one whit how many followers you have on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever else you call it. I'm telling you this, young people. Jesus said, for what will it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? The most important thing that you can do for yourself is believe in Jesus and follow Jesus with all your heart. Don't get sucked up into this world system. I'm telling you it is a bankrupt world system, and I'm telling you that Jesus loves you, and he wants you to be a winner, and you can only find true life in Jesus and his kingdom. That's the truth. You say, but preacher, you're paid to say that. Now, you know why I say that? I say that because he's made a world of difference in my life. There was a time when I was not living for him. There was a time when I was living for the world and I was influenced by the world system. But at Mississippi State University, I had an encounter with the living Christ and he saved me and he changed me and he gave me new desires and new dreams and new aspirations. He gave me a desire to read the Bible and to pray and to be a man of God. And I'll tell you, I wouldn't go back for a jillion dollars Jesus means the world to me. He's made me a winner, and he can make you a winner, I promise you. If you'll just listen to him, believe in him, and follow him with all your heart. So Jesus asked the Father, Father, would you please protect these who have followed me? But but then he prayed something else. He prayed for their dedication, not only their protection, but their dedication. Now, Now, look in verse 15, 16. He said, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now, now listen, you, you might be saying today, well, well, pastor, this world stinks. I just soon, I'm a believer, I'd rather just go on to heaven. But that's not God's will for you right now. Hey, Andy and the team this week have talked about the ministry of reconciliation, right? You remember that? Shake your head, do this. Yeah, I know you remember that. 
the ministry of reconciliation. Why has God left you here right now? Why didn't he save you and take you to heaven immediately? Because he's given you a ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. You are an ambassador for Christ. You're to go into this bankrupt world and you are to tell your friends and your neighbors and your family members about Jesus and how he can reconcile them to God. Well, I'll tell you, it is a glorious opportunity that we have to make a difference in our world. But you know what Jesus knows? Jesus knows that only dedicated Christians will make a difference in the world system. So he prays in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Hey, do you know what God's will for your life is? I'm not just speaking to teenagers. I'm talking to adults and children. Do you know what God's will for your life is? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I can't tell these teenagers whether it's God's will for them to be a doctor or a plumber. I, I can't tell these teenagers whether it's God's will for them to live in Carville or California. I can't do that. But I can tell every teenager and every person in this room who names the name of Jesus, I know God's will for your life. How can you do that, Pastor? Because of Romans 8.29. Romans 8.29 said it's God's will that we be conformed to the image of his son. It's God's will that you be more like Jesus today than you were yesterday. This weekend more than you were last weekend. Next week more than you were last week. Become more like Jesus. That's what this word sanctify means. It means to dedicate yourself, to consecrate yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the way that we're sanctified and consecrated, the way we really dedicate ourselves to Jesus? Jesus said it right here. He endorsed the process of the word of God. He said, the more you study the Word of God, the deeper you will go in your dedication and your consecration to Jesus, and the more like Jesus you will become. I, I tell you, we can waste our time on so much stuff that has no eternal significance whatsoever. But I'll tell you what, we never waste time when we get up early in the morning or we stay up late at night or we take our lunch and we open our Bible and we pray and we read our Bible. I'll tell you, the, the Lord Jesus uses that to sanctify us, to set us apart, to be vessels of honor for his eternal glory. Look at verses 18 and 19. As you sent me into the world... I've also sent them into the world. Remember what he means by the world there? The world system. The evil world system. Arranged, schemed up, and manipulated by Satan himself. He knew that only dedicated believers could make a kingdom impact, so he prayed, and he asked the Father, Oh, God, would you please... Sanctify my followers in the truth of God's word. I tell you, Jesus wants every single believer to be a winner. If you're a part of his kingdom today, if you've repented of your sin and placed your faith in Jesus, you are 
a winner. You need to know that Jesus is praying for you to succeed. The world is a dark and depressing place. If you're a believer, there's a, a real sense that the deck is stacked against you. Do you know that, young people? You may be experiencing rejection from your closest friends right now, from your closest family members, all because you have dedicated yourself to Jesus, all because you have decided that you're going to read the Word and you're going to become more like Jesus every day. And you're going to dedicate yourself to his kingdom, not the kingdom of this world. I want you to remember this. I don't want you to be frightened. I don't want you to, to become a, a coward. I, I want you to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in him. Don't get stuck in mediocrity when he has made it possible for you as a believer to live in the rarefied air of excellence. So let me ask you, how is it with you and your relationship with Jesus this morning? If you had to gauge yourself on your dedication to Christ, what level would you be at this morning if you were honest with yourself? Ask yourself, am I more dedicated to the world than I am to Jesus and his kingdom? Jesus prayed for our protection as believers. He prayed for our dedica dedication as believers that we become more like him every single 